we left off at the bottom of page 13 leading into 14 and uh, looking at the significant uses of the Holy Spirit and our position in Him. Uh, we came across some of these as we were looking at the Father, um, and we can say, and it's been said before, where one person of the Godhead is active, they all are, right? And so it's truly uh, seen in this, and it's seen in other things that uh, you would account in Scripture. Uh, think about the fact when it says that Christ was raised out from dead ones. I can take you to places where it, it shows that the Father raised him out from dead ones, that he was raised by the power of the Spirit, and that he raised himself. And so where one person of the Godhead is active, they always all are. Uh, and they work together in, in perfect unity uh, in everything that they do. Uh, but we see the ability uh, to have the Holy Spirit abiding within is born out of uh, us abiding in him. Go back with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. And we were here in this chapter earlier, but just a little later. Uh, and you see in this context this battle between uh, living after the flesh and living after the Spirit. And remember our famous verse there, uh, a little bit later it says, if you live after the flesh, what's going to happen? <laughs> you're fixing to die. <laughs> you're right on the verge, on the precipice. Um, but if you live after the Spirit... Uh, different different uh, consequences there but in verse 5 it says for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the, th the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither can it in, or neither indeed can it can be so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, uh, here's where self-effort and things drive you wrong, right? If you're doing things out of your own flesh and out of your own contriving, you have no ability to please God. Uh, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you or dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ uh, be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Uh, so anything that we would execute in this life starts with us, uh, what, reflecting to who we are in Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work within you. Uh, and that's just essential to pleasing God. And we see it here in this context. Now, in verse uh, one of chapter nine, we see the position in the spirit allows a believer to have a clean or clear conscience. And as Paul is talking about uh, his desire and heart for Israel, uh, he is speaking from who he is in the spirit. He says in verse one, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were a curse uh, from the Christ for my brethren. There's a the Christ, uh, Lynn, <laughs> by the way, uh, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, uh, who are Israelites. And we could go on and on there, but you see this idea here of him 
being in the spirit as he's saying this thing concerning Israel, right? Uh, he is telling the truth concerning them. He goes three chapters to tell what's happening with Israel right now. What he would like to be happening is for the whole nation of Israel to be saved. And yet he understands by God and by uh, revelation that this is not what's taking place right now. And those that are saved become a part of the body of Christ. Over in Romans chapter 15 and verse 16, we see the potential for spiritual sacrifice comes through our position in the spirit. <laughs> Romans chapter 15 and verse 16. And remember what, what's going on here that you have... Uh, the this uh, liberty that's provided, right, and uh, understanding that we have freedom to do certain things in Christ here with uh, dietary restrictions and those kind of things and people being uh, possibly stumbled <laughs> by uh, eating of certain kinds of foods. Uh, but pick it up in verse 13. It says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able uh, also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort, uh, as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me from God." that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, uh, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable by uh, being sanctified by uh, the Holy Spirit. And really there you could say uh, either by or, or in there. Uh, but looking at this idea that through our uh, position, uh, and specifically speaking of Paul here, uh, that his work that he's doing on behalf of these uh, Roman saints is seen as a spiritual sacrifice and it's done uh, through the person of the Holy Spirit. Then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22, we see the building of the body of Christ is accomplished by our position uh, in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 22. Um, and let's go back a little because there's a lot of uh, in Christ's truth stated in this uh, context. Um, and we want to wrap it up with what the Holy Spirit does in it. Uh, but verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship created where in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, according or, or who are called uh, uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, 
even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the uh, cross having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them uh, which were nigh for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God, and are built up uh, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ uh, himself being the chief cornerstone. Now remember back, uh, we're going to keep reading here to verse 22, but remember back to 1 Corinthians. What did Paul say uh, concerning his work and the work of the other apostles? I've built, right? I laid the foundation. Somebody else comes and builds a little more on that and somebody else on that. This is a, a concerted effort, but the foundation is Christ. He's the one that you're building upon. Uh, verse 20, um, no, verse 21, excuse me. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also builded together for an habitation of God, through the Holy Spirit. Now that uh, through the Holy Spirit is not really a through. You have to be careful sometimes there. Look over on your interlinear side. It's really the preposition in, right? And so as you're looking uh, at our position in the Holy Spirit, it allows us to be the habitation or the building of, of the Christ that we're supposed to be. And so as you think about the body of Christ and all the different parts to it, uh, these different parts, if they're not connected to the head or connected in the way that we're supposed to be, they're all just different parts, right? They don't, they don't come together. They don't make good music. Uh, think of a band. Uh, Brother Dave plays in the band. And if he were to play his instrument and just play it the way he wants to, and it's not aligned with the sheet music that's in front of him, it's not going to sound good, right? You have a lot of different in instruments making different sounds. But when everyone's playing from the same sheet of music, it makes beautiful music together. And the Holy Spirit is that, that entity that brings this all together for us, right, as we're operating uh, as to who we are in Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit helps to direct the believer's communication with God. Uh, go with me over to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And we see this on the other side of... Uh, the armor and putting on the armor of God. And to go back a little bit, um, just an important aspect of, of putting on the armor and overcoming Satan. Uh, and I have to say this every time I come through because I hear it said so many times, oh, just put on the armor when Satan attacks, right? Yeah, it sounds very nice. <laughs> put on the armor, put on the armor. Well, what armor? And what are you going to do before you put that armor on? You go and just say, oh, Satan's attacking me. I'm going to go put on all the armor and Satan's going to knock you silly, right? There's more than to it than you just going and putting on the armor whenever you think Satan's attacking you. Don't miss this key essential verse in verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in yourselves. <laughs> no, you caught me. <laughs> it doesn't say strong in yourselves. It be, says be strong in the Lord, right? 
and in the power of his might. It is not your power. It is not your armor. It is not your ability to stomp over Satan or whatever other nonsense that people want to say. It is God's power. You're resting in his power and what he's able to do. Uh, Verse 11, then put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, I want you guys to know, I don't want to scare you, but Satan's been watching you for a while, right? And he has many minions to watch you as well. And he knows what gets you, right? (laughs) He knows what attack will set you off. He's got one specific for all of us, right? And he knows exactly what to do. That's that word for wiles, his methodologies, the way that he goes about carrying these things out. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, When things happen, I ask people this often at our church and, and when I talk to people around, do we see people when things happen? And you know it's a satanic attack. Are you saying, this person is doing this to me, right? If this person would just stop doing this, everything would be okay. Or are you seeing this for what it really is, Satan utilizing that person behind you because he knows that's exactly what will get you off every time. You have to see what's really going on in the bigger picture. Verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always. So here, here's what I would say bookends this, right? At the beginning, you are accounting who you are in Christ. You are looking to his power and not your own. You are saying that he is the one that is able to get me through this temptation that I'm going through. And at the end of it, you're praying always with all prayer and supplication by or in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You see the end of that? A lot of times when we're going through something, our prayers and our thoughts, where do they go? Out to everyone else, right? No, (laughs) most of the time they're on us, right? God, I need this. God, I need you to do that. Here's a, a very simple thing. Uh, that I think helps a lot with satanic attack is to take the, the take it off of yourself. <laughs> Stop looking at yourself and the thing that you're going through and understand what God is really doing in that situation. And so he says, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. God, there's somebody else that could be going through this very same thing that I'm going through. Please equip me to be able to handle it so I can help that person in that time. What, what would it look like if we prayed like that more than saying, God, please get me out of this situation. I can't take it. I can't handle it. Right. It might be a little bit better. Uh, over in Jude chapter one and verse 20, we see uh, the spirit also helping in our communication. Now, there aren't aren't more chapters in. Jude chapter 1, so we could just say Jude 20. 
and pick it up there. It says, but you, I'll go back just a little bit. Verse 17, he says, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. But you, beloved, uh, building yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who are unto eternal life. And so whether you translate that in or by the Holy Spirit and his communication together with him, that some total is the same, that you're going through the Holy Spirit in order to help you uh, continue on in this communication to God um, in this context. Then over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5, we see the demonstration of the gospel came uh, by way of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. Now, we know Paul has quite a fondness for these uh, saints at Thessalonica. And he has a lot of good things to say about them early on. And one of these things is... Um, the way that they're demonstrating by their lives, uh, and that's coming through the Holy Spirit. Uh, pick it up in verse 1. He says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church uh, of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, we talked about in, right? <laughs> There's a couple of your ends there for your position in the Father as well as in the Son. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work from faith and your labor from love and the patience from hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election from God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you uh, know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received uh, the word in much affliction uh, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so you can see the Holy Spirit very active among these uh, Thessalonian saints. Uh, and it's called out by Paul. Now over in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, we see Timothy was instructed by Peter uh, to be an example to other believers for how to conduct themselves uh, in the Spirit. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Um, This is not the one I was looking for. Um, now let's skip that one. Go to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, and we see John was resting in the spirit when he uh, received revelation from the Lord. Uh, revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And we could also go to 4, uh, but we'll just look at 
the one here. Um, and pick it up at verse 7. He says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of the Lord and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice uh, as of a trumpet uh, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send, uh, or, or sent it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Uh, and you can go on from there, but you see this state uh, that John is in, right? As he receives this revelation from God is dictated uh, by the Spirit. Uh, and then, finally, I think we see here, nope, a couple more points. We see um, the operation uh, in the human spirit from being in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, as a result of being in the Holy Spirit, what is one of the main things that we've talked about even in this hour you're going to show forth? The fruit of the Spirit. Right. Because you're walking in the spirit or uh, living and residing in the spirit, you will show forth the fruit of the spirit. Go with me over to Galatians chapter five and verse 16. Galatians chapter five and verse 16. And of course, we can go back uh, just a little bit in this context. Um, and you see this contrast here again uh, from self-effort and those things that the Galatians were seeking to do after law, right? Uh, and uh, what Paul is trying to tell, tell them to do is to walk by the Spirit. This is how you're going to accomplish those things that you should. Verse 13, it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you not consume one another. This I say, then, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, of course, we know that it's deeper than that, right? It's, it's if you're walking by the Spirit, you have no chance of fulfilling the lust of the flesh. These two are in contrast with one another. Uh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary one to another so that you cannot, you don't have the ability. Now, it's interesting in scripture where we see the things you don't have the ability to do that are, are kind of things that God wants you to do when you're doing it out of your own power. Here, you don't have the ability to do the things that you would or that you desire when you're walking uh, after the flesh. But if you be led by the spirit, you're not under uh, law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, 
Interestingly enough, he goes and outlines these works of the flesh to show in contrast with the fruit of the spirit right here alongside of each other. So when you're operating out of the flesh, what's going to happen? You're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, and they are these. When you're operating out of the spirit, you're going to show forth the, the fruit of the spirit, and we'll see those here in a second. But the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, uh, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you uh, in times past, that they which do, now uh, this do, be careful. <laughs> you don't want to condemn yourself, right? If you've done one of these things, it doesn't mean you're going to hell, right? It's they that practice these things. They, they that continually carry these things out. Now, why does he say that? Because a believer that continues to carry these things out is not going to continue to be on this earth. God is not going to let you uh, continue down that path. And so it says, they that are, which are practicing such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. There is not a, a thing that you can do, a tally that you can make that says, hey, how am I doing on my, <laughs> my fruit of the Spirit? I'm way up here. I'm, I'm shooting through the roof. There's not, we want to do that through human nature, right? We always want to have something to measure ourselves by. And I, I myself think that's why people enjoy law so much, right? Because it tells you how you're doing. <laughs> I didn't do this today. I didn't do that today. I didn't do that. I'm doing pretty good, right? But when you're having to walk by the Spirit and allow Him to dictate, it's a lot different, right? There's no law that you're going to be able to make. Now, you can observe your life and say, hey, Am I loving the brethren the way that I'm supposed to? But that's not an opportunity for you to say, man, I'm not loving the brethren. I got to go out and do this and this and this and this and that to love the brethren. No, that's an opportunity for you to reflect on who you are in Christ uh, so that you're able to be successful in actually exercising the fruit of the spirit. Um, now, by implication, we can see and I was going to develop this part a little bit more, but we see. Uh, spiritual comprehension is, is something that happens through our position in Christ. So go back with me really quickly over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we've been here uh, before, but uh, not focused in on looking at uh, um, us being in the Spirit and how He allows us to be able to discern spiritual things. Um. And pick this one up at verse 10. He says, but God revealed them unto us uh, by his spirit and really here uh, through the spirit. Now, we're if we have time, I don't know that we're going to do this, but we can also look at this preposition dia, which means through. Right. And you see the idea of going through something. Here, I'll make another picture. <laughs> you had a wall here. This wall is up. It's a good wall, right? <laughs> and you're trying to get to the other side of that wall. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You want to go through it. And so this is a barrier that you're passing through. And so in order here, we see um, um, 
in verse 10, but God revealed them unto us through his spirit. That spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the intermediate agency through which these things were are, are revealed. And so uh, you're going to have to uh, be somewhat positionally locked in to see this. Uh, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is out from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us from God, which things also we speak not in words uh, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. Uh, and we could go on there, but you see this impact of the Holy Spirit. And by implication, when we're resting in who we are in Christ and we're resting in who we are in the Holy Spirit, he's going to be able to show us these things, right? Uh, uh, spiritual things. Uh, by implication, also, uh, spiritual leading is required for you to be resting in who you are in the Spirit. And there uh, are several others that I would have liked to add to that area, but I didn't, again, develop as, develop that part as far as I would have liked to. Now, showing forth the parts of the fruit of the Spirit, we see different places where uh, this is mentioned. Uh, we see that the fruit of the uh, or from the Spirit is experienced through our position uh, in the Holy Spirit over in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Romans chapter 14. In verse 17. And uh, pick it up in verse 13. He says, let us. Uh, not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if the, thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, but in righteousness and peace and joy where? In the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, again, as you're living as who you are in Christ, you're able to experience in this context joy, right? Uh, a mental contentment. Uh, concerning the things that are, are going on. Then over in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 8, we see it mentioned again. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 8. And here a different part of the, the fruit, but uh, go back just a little bit into the context in verse 3. It says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, uh, which has come unto you and is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day 
ye have heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned of Epaphras, our fellow servant, who is uh, for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the uh, in the spirit. I try to add a holy there. <laughs> we see in the spirit, right? Uh, and so where are they exercising these parts of the fruit of the spirit from? Uh, in the Holy Spirit. Uh, then over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, we see the Holy Spirit can guide the believer into a state of mind which allows for proper handling of a brother in a trespass. And so uh, here you have a brother that is about to sin or, or to do something uh, that would take them away from the will of God. And they've expressed this to you and they're telling you, hey, <laughs> this is right, isn't it? And you say, yes, this is the right thing to do. No, no, you're supposed to have a spirit of meekness in the way that, that you approach this. Uh, but pick it up in verse one of chapter six. It says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, this is uh, this word for fault is our word for trespass. And so he's right at the verge where this action that he's telling you he's going to do is going to lead him into uh, potentially into sin. Uh, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, uh, lest uh, thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill ye the law of Christ. Uh, and so here, uh, uh, the spirit of meekness is at view in the, the uh, part of the fruit of the spirit there, uh, meekness um, being seen. Uh, and... That's the last one we want to look at for the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, we could go a lot deeper into any of these and, and find more instances, but um, we want to hit the highlights. And so we will look next at the sun and our position in the sun. Uh, and specifically what I want to focus on for this next section is looking at the right hand and how important that is uh, to our Christian life. Do you guys have page 14? Okay. Okay, so we'll start in on this and we'll probably uh, cut it off when your notes run out because I don't think you guys have 15, right? No. Uh, well, I, I mean, I have it passed, but I, I don't want to go too far into this one because there's, there's, uh, we're going to land here for quite a while. Uh, but the right hand. And so uh, what is the significance first of the right hand? We want to look at that. And so there's there's cultural significance to uh, this statement of the right hand. Go back with me into the Old Testament. And we see uh, that with Jacob's sons, this right hand was seen as, as superior uh, to the left hand, as it were. Genesis chapter 48 and verse 13. And so uh, remember here, it's at the end of, of Jacob's life or Israel's life, and he's uh, going to bless the sons of, of Joseph, uh, one uh, Manasseh and the other Ephraim. Uh, and you see the positioning of these guys and, and one being older than the other. So it's it's always been that the uh, elder one is the one that's uh, expected to be uh, the receiver of this blessing. And it's not necessarily the way it works out in the 
uh, Old Testament. But 40, uh, pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 48. It says, And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, both uh, or, or before I came unto thee in, into Egypt, are mine. Uh, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou be, uh, begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren uh, in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came to Pet, uh, Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath. And I buried her there in the land of Ephrath, the same as Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons, whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray, uh, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for his old or for his age. Uh, sound familiar to, to something he did <laughs> when he was younger, uh, so that he could not see, and brought them near unto him, and kissed them and embraced them. And Israel uh, said unto Joseph, I had not uh, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has shown me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, or uh, in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and uh, brought them near unto him. And Israel <clears throat> stretched out his hand, his right hand, and laid it upon Ephraim's head. Uh, who was younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was firstborn. And he blessed uh, Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which uh, fed me all my life uh, long unto this day, uh, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name uh, be named on them. Uh, the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let uh, them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Uh, and when Joseph, here's where we wanted to get to, verse 17. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto him, or, or unto his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a people, uh, and he also shall be great. 
but truly the younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become the multitude, uh, a multitude of nations. And so uh, you see this here, importance of the right hand, right? He understands that there's something significant to this right hand uh, blessing that is shown here. Uh, and we want to continue to develop this out. One moment, please. Now we see the right hand of Christ uh, uh, is, is granted at his ascension. And as you think through uh, the importance of this right hand or being a place of, of privilege, a place uh, that is blessed, uh, and this is the same thing that's in heaven. And so as you think of uh, God the Father's right hand, this is where the Son is. Uh, and we see this uh, talked about in uh, several places. Uh, but go with me over to Mark chapter 16, and we see Mark gives an account of Christ's ascension after speaking to the apostles. Mark chapter 16 and verse 19. Um, <clears throat> so pick it up in verse 14. He says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meal and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not uh, them which had seen him uh, um, after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, uh, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall, be, shall follow them that believe. In my name uh, shall they cast out devils. They shall uh, speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants. Uh, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set at the right hand uh, of God. And really there you could say he sat not on, but out from the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working uh, with them and confirming the uh, word of word with signs following. Uh, and so here you see uh, a, a summary of a lot of events there that happened with the Lord, right? As we see in other parts of scripture, when he ascended into heaven, uh, in Hebrews, he went all the way through the heavens, right? He went out to where only God could go, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. Uh, and so here, uh, a summary kind of of those events uh, there by Mark, but uh, out from the right hand of God in that context. Over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, we see that this right hand is a place of res residence, not residence, of the Lord after his completed work uh, in salvation. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12. Um, and let's pick this one up at verse 5. He says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, speaking of the Father, 
Thou wouldest not, uh, or speaking on the sun, but a body that was prepared for me, uh, and in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he saith, or, or said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, uh, which are offered by law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he established the second, uh, by the which will we, or by the which will, and so the desirous will of God, uh, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ uh, once and for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering uh, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never be taken away or, or can never take away sins. Where's my right hand reference here? Oh, I didn't read far enough. Okay. <laughs> that that might be why. Uh, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered once uh, one sacrifice for sins forever, set down uh, in, not really there on, but in the right hand of God, uh, for henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, uh, for by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so here you see this idea here of he sacrificed, right? His own body <laughs> before in the Old Testament. What's the difference? They gave these sacrifices yearly over and over and over again, and it never did anything for the problem of sin. In fact, it was all pointing to the work that Christ was going to accomplish on our behalf. Uh, when he did that, he sat down at the right hand of God, and that's where he resides today. Then we see the elevation of the Lord uh, physically and spiritually beyond all of creation in this same uh, uh, position at the right hand. Before we leave out of Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Uh, we talked about the fact that he passed through the heavens and then sat down at the right hand of God. We can look at it here really quickly before we leave, but uh, start in verse 12. He says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we, are, we have a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, uh, the Son of God, let us hold our profession. Now, you didn't see uh, pass through the heavens there, did you? Sounds like I changed the scripture a little bit. <laughs> no, that into is not into, it's through. It's our dia preposition. If this were the heavens, if this were the line of where heaven stops, he went through it, right? He went outside of of heavens. He went outside of all of creation. He went to where only where God can go. And then what happened after that? Uh, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of grace. Reading on in verse 15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy uh, and find grace in our time of need. Uh, and this is a, simply a cross-reference to show him having gone through the heavens. But on our way back, go with me over to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. And we see this idea uh, that he physically and spiritually went beyond creation. Um, and pick it up in um, verse 18. He says, For Christ also has suffered once, or once suffered for our sins, uh, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Uh, remember I said that he was made alive by the, the Spirit. <laughs> we can say all uh, persons of the Godhead had a, a hand in his resurrection. Verse 19, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient. When uh, once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, uh, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting off of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities being made subject unto him. Uh, and so you see here again, uh, this idea here of uh, going into heaven <clears throat> and seated or being seated at the right hand of God. Uh, I'm going to stop there as I don't want to get too far into this. We got uh, a couple points left in two minutes, uh, but we will come back here next week and continue on with uh, the right hand of God. <laughs>